Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And tonight is an exciting night for Paratruth Radio. Why is that, Eric? Well, gee, Justin, I think it might be our 300th episode. Whoa, what? I know, it's crazy. <laughs> 300 episodes and what did we figure eight years with Paratruth Radio, give or take a month. Yep. Yeah, it's insane. It's been a wild ride. Uh, it's pretty crazy to think that we're here of all the years that we've actually been doing podcasting. This is the first time we've had a show make it to 300. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's cool though. I'm glad that we're here. And, uh, you know, I think we've gone through a lot and I think we've developed a lot and I'm looking forward to the next eight years and God, possibly 300 more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you add in all the episodes we did as night stalkers, what you did with forgotten truth, what I did with parasite radio, and then what I did with beyond reason, I'm sure it adds up to way more than 300 episodes. Oh, for sure. Itself. I'm very sure about that. Um, but this is 300 with perhaps the best iteration of all of our shows. Right. So that's right. specifically spectacular. <laughs> well, we've also got some very cool guest co-hosts coming on with us. Um, we have Cat Ward, which you all know from Paranormal Heart. And then we have Richard Rulin and Katie Turner from Let's Talk About It. Uh, Katie is a known psychic. Uh, she's been on a bunch of different paranormal TV shows, podcasts, you name it. Uh, Richard has done a lot of that as well, guest spots on other uh, podcasts and stuff like that. Um, so we're going to get them in for a roundtable discussion. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. So without further ado, we're going to go to the line with Katie, Kat, and Richard. Kat, Katie, Richard, welcome to Paratruth Radio. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Thanks for having us on. We're good. You know what? I am fantastic. Thanks so much for having us. So yeah, this is going to be a great conversation. We appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I and I I love that you guys are coming on our 300th episode because I think this is the biggest milestone we've ever had in in any show, as Eric said in the intro. Um, Kat, go ahead and introduce yourself. I know you've been on the show before, um, and uh, tell them a little about yourself, and then we'll go into Katie and Richard. 
Oh, well, I am um, out of the Ottawa Valley in Ontario, Canada, originally from the East Coast in New Brunswick. I'm a paranormal investigator with Katie's team, Canadian Supernatural Research Society. Uh, I've been doing that for, I don't even know how many years. It's been a long, long amount of years. Uh, I'm also creator and host of Paranormal Heart Podcast and just recently got into book narration. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Katie Turner. Well, uh, I am located in Deep River, Ontario. I am a uh, psychic medium by day and a paranormal investigator by night. Uh, as Kat mentioned, I have uh, a team called Canadian Supernatural Research Society, and we conduct investigations and cleansings throughout uh, Ontario and Quebec. Um, and during the day, as I said, I uh, enjoy doing readings for people and cleansing. So that's kind of what I do. And Richard. I am a psychic medium, um, like Kitty said, by day and by night. Also a paranormal investigator. Uh, also a, a team founder of the Haunted Travelers and also the co-host of Let's Talk About It. Debuted on Facebook and available on two other networks. Awesome. All right. So we've got three separate topics that we kind of wanted to touch base on. Um, I'm sure the, the conversation will go wherever it needs to go. But Eric, I wanted you to, to bring up why we came up with the first one, Ghost Pets, because you actually mm -hmm. just had an experience recently. Yeah. So like about four days ago, I was I was having these dreams. Uh, they're just weird dreams. And I kept kind of waking up out of them and then I'd go back to sleep and wake up and go back to sleep. Um, but the last dream I was having was kind of a nightmare. And it, it was weird because like everything, I, I can't explain everything that was happening in there, but it was, it was weird. But all of a sudden I started hearing a noise and it sounded like a cat meowing or whining. Um, and it actually woke me up out of bed. Uh, and as I woke up, I heard the meow coming from behind me and I felt the pillow being pressed down as if a cat was walking past my head, like cats usually do because they're weird. Um, and then it came around to my left side and it was a white cat. Uh, it was dark in my room, but I could see the silhouette. It looked a lot like my parents' cat. And at the time, I, was, I wasn't really focused on where I was. I was just thinking, oh, that's Smudge, which is the name of the cat. Uh, and she was there. She was crying. And then she walked over my stomach. And I felt her the pressure of her stepping over me. And then she stood on the right side and just sit there, like stood there, whacking her, like whapping her tail or whatever. And I was like, what are you doing? And I reached over to touch her. And my hand went through her and she just turned to smoke and evaporated. And like, I immediately jumped out of bed, just staring at it. I was like, holy shit. Like that was not a real cat. Like I was awake and I saw it happen and I was thinking it was a cat, but it was a ghost. And so I had, to, I had to do some research cause I was curious about it. And there's this thing, you know, we've talked about, or we know about like uh, spirit animals or animals that visit us in the spirit worlds from spirit worlds. Uh, but one topic in particular is this idea of ghost pets. And these are ghosts that just live with you like a normal pet would. They show up one day and they stick around and they do what a normal pet would do, except that it's a spirit. Uh, and so I just kind of wanted to get everyone's take on that first and foremost. Uh, any experiences experiences that any of you have had or uh, any, any research that maybe you guys have done in the past? Because uh, I thought it was really fascinating, this whole idea of just being like, oh, yeah, I have a... I have a cat at home. I mean, you won't be able to see her if you go 
the meter, but you know, it's, it's there. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. You know, well, I mean, go, go ahead, go, Katie. But I was just going to say, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned having a spirit cat because it, any pet, because they're the cheapest to maintain. There's, there's no, <laughs> there's no cat food, dog food, cat litter, and, and, you know, dog toys. So the, those are kind of, that's, I guess, a silver lining to it. But um, in my experience, I have seen many uh, ghost animals. I've seen many spirit animals. I've, uh, you know, had personal experiences with pets that have crossed over that have come back to visit. Uh, I, in specific, had two uh, cats in my house right now that were mine living and now they're mine dead. So uh, I've had those experiences. In terms of strays, picking up strays, uh, you know, that is not something that that is out of the ordinary. I have had, uh, as a matter of fact, we did an investigation a few years ago um, where there was a spirit dog and, and the woman thought up and down that this dog was a demonic entity and it was this this dog that that kind of adopted them in, in death and occupied the home um so yes in fact that does happen in my experience um it's it's hit or miss but a lot of times i find that when animals cross over uh you know they come back to visit if they choose to stay they, it's because they want to be with you I had uh, an experience. We lost our uh, 11 year old uh, Black Lab Molly, May 3rd, 2021. And she stayed with us for a little while. Um, we have in our kitchen one of those under the shelf lights that it's motion activated. Uh, we also have three cats. Uh, they never, ever uh, trigger the light, but Molly did. And for maybe a couple of weeks or maybe a little longer than that um the light would just come on in the kitchen and at first I thought okay well, that's kind of odd maybe one of the kids or somebody was walking by but no there was no one there and then I was talking to a uh, pet psychic friend of mine and he said yeah it's Molly she's making sure that you guys are okay um once she realizes that everything's fine she'll she'll cross over and there was another night where we're in the living room and where she used to lay underneath the, um, the living room table. Um, one of my cats was curled up there. All of a sudden he just freaked out. He ran up the hall, came back and stared at that spot where Molly used to curl up. And I think Molly was there saying, you know, hello, I'm still here. And when I finally told her, because we, we, we got it cremated and we have a little box in the living room and, and I still talk to her. Uh, but I told her that, you know, I'm happy that you're still here, but you need to cross over. Like, we're, we're fine. You don't have to keep watching over us. And um, the light doesn't get triggered anymore in the kitchen. Well, hmm. Richard? It was well, comforting to know she was still there. Yeah, but, but a quick answer to that question. It's, yeah, it's happened in several investigations um, that I've come across uh, spirit animals. Uh, that of uh, spirit pets uh, that either belong to the owner of the residence or, you know, again, a lot of times animals become like the adoptees of buildings and things like that. And they just happen to cross paths while you're investigating. And then, you know, it, it's one of those kind of things that happens. I think the energy is drawn to energy. So uh, I, I think that's what happens. Animals give off a ton of energy when they're attached to a human and, um, I think that along with anything else that, that has the ability to, uh, to share energy with you in a space is going to have an opportunity to be able to keep up with you as well. Yeah. So, I mean, we, 
we have a theory as to why human beings tend to stay back and decide not to cross over. And it's usually unfinished business or there's a message they want to get, a, get through to someone. Uh, at least in theory, do we know if that's similar with pets? Or like, I mean, I'd imagine a, a pet that is like loved by family and who loves a family, they might stick around to watch over them like uh, Molly did with cat. But what about like stray animals, these stray pets that have never had a family? I mean, what would keep them, do you think, behind instead of crossing over? I feel well, with I mean, this. Oh, go ahead, Richard. No, I just, I think, again, it goes back to the energies. Um yeah, when there's an algorithm between energies, regardless of there's a relationship or not, a lot of times they're attracted to each other, I think. So I think the opportunity is there for a stray to align itself energy-wise with, with the living person and, and find that, you know, that, that, uh, that attachment together or find that, you know, that trip together, that journey to be together. I think it's an absolute possibility. Okay. I feel that, um, you know how people just attract animals, whether they're wild or stray cats or whatever. Um, you know, you could be out for a walk and a stray cat will just go up to certain people. I feel that's the same way with uh, spirit animals. They're just attracted to people that are still alive. Mm -hmm. I think it comes down to vibration. I think that, uh, you know, energy is the past of least resistance. And so when uh, energy is occurring, they're going to go where they feel the most common energy. They're going to go where they, they the most uh, similar energy. And if that means staying with their family, they're staying with their, you know, the house, sometimes animals choose to haunt a house, not a family. So the animals stay back in that home that, that is comfortable and that is, uh, has that vibration uh, rather than move on with the family. So uh, I think it, it's kind of dependent upon what, what the situation is. I think like people, when an animal uh, dies, it depends on how they die. So an animal, you know, for example, uh, not to get graphic, but a dog crossing the street, getting hit by a car or a cat, you know, any, any animal, and it's a quick impact, quick death, that confusion, you know, I, I don't feel that there's much change in terms of, of the type of death that occurs when it's a quick traumatic experience. So therefore, if the dog doesn't know it's dead, it's going to keep going on its journey. And that's where in certain circumstances, you're going to see or uh, witness some paranormal activity through, through the, the animal uh, kingdom. When it comes down to uh, crossing over, I think that sometimes the energy dissipates. So an animal may choose to stick around for that human, or it could be the human's grief that is causing that tetherment that the animal cannot transition over. It's being held back. Um, that can cause the animal to stick around. You'll notice that um, in, in a lot of instances, you will have that pet haunting you or attachment to you, but it dissipates over time like a human does. And, and it's, it's the way that the energy shifts. It's an energy transfer. So the animal may, uh, you know, kind of shift over. I really think that a dissipation occurs no matter what you're dealing with. So mm -hmm. if it's animal or human, any type of energy, it may not go away, but it's going to dissipate into another field. And so slowly that, that animal may transition to the other side. Okay. So then final question that I have here, um, we, you know, when, when you want to help a, a, the spirit of a human being to cross over, we just simply talk to them and try to guide them. Animals have a much different way of communication and it's a little harder for them to understand humans, but do you suppose there's a way to help them cross over? Have you, any of you tried helping an animal cross over? And do you think the language barrier is different now that they're on the other side? 
can they understand us more you think or is it still the same thing as it was here on earth and you're just kind of hoping that the vibe you're giving the energy you're giving is telling them okay i think i understand it's time to go i'll go <laughs> if that's okay um, um i'm going to use my experience that i had with molly um, because that's really the only one that I've, uh, that I've had, uh, getting a, helping a pet cross over. And like I said, she stayed with us for, for a bit. And I was told that she was there to make sure that we're okay. And I had to talk to her. Well, first of all, she died in my arms. Um, she was really struggling. She was trying, she was fighting so hard. She wanted to stay with us and I was petting her. And I told her that it was okay. It was time for her to, to cross. And she just sighed and then just passed. She was waiting for me to, to say, it's okay, we're going to be okay. And that's what I did when I was talking to her in, in our house. Once I realized that she was still with us, I told her that, yes, we're still grieving. We'll always miss her. She'll always be a part of the family, but it was time for her to move on and, and you know, go run in those big golden fields with the, with the other pets. And uh, I haven't sensed her or had any evidence that she was here again uh, since. So I think... Like I said, in my experience, I just talked to her and I think the, the energy that I was giving off and my intent and everything and imagery, because I, when I was talking to her, I'm trying to um, have images in my head that it was okay. She can, she can leave now. I think all of those mixed together helped her to cross over. And I'm, I'm only assuming it's like that with other pets. I've never tried it with other animals. Richard? Oh. Yeah. What about your experience? My, um, even my experiences and my thoughts on being able to communicate with an animal, help them cross over. I, I'm not sure how well that would go over. I think it's going to sound odd, but you know, when you, when you train an animal, you train them to understand certain inferences on words. Um, you know, they may not understand the verbiage precisely, but the way you say the word tells them what to do. Um, I'm not sure that's any different in depth. I think it depends on the training you've given them, that they know they can come at a certain voice level, that they can go at a certain voice level. I'm not really sure. Um, and no, I've never tried to cross over an animal. Not, not yet. I have been really blessed uh, to be able to witness animals crossing over. Um, in personal instances, as well as working with clients, um, I have been able to witness loved ones coming over and picking up these animals. So, uh, you know, my, when, when, my, when my own cat was, uh, unfortunately, uh, when it was her time, uh, my grandfather came and took her and I witnessed him. I watched him walk through the door, pick her up, scoop her up in his arms and turn around and walk away and had a smile on his face. Um, I've had other instances with a horse uh, where, you know, the very same thing. So I, I'm pretty blessed in that regard. I think that, um, again, it's all about the active intent, as Richard had mentioned, you know, uh, they may not know the words, but the active intent you're putting out there, Kat had said you envision it. So it, I, I really truly believe that when you envision it and you open that door, you know, you know that there's going to be somebody there to come and get the, get the animal. I always use the, the example, you know, you go to a different country, you don't speak the language. It doesn't matter how loud or yell, you know, loud you're screaming in English, if they don't speak 
your language, you can yell all you want. So it's, it's about finding a language that they understand. And so, uh, you know, if that means a loved one can come in and that loved one knows the language, they are the transitional uh, period for that animal to cross over. So, um, you know, it really comes down to how it happens, not really why it happens. Okay. I like that. Justin, so anything to add? No, but it, it's interesting that you had this experience um, with an animal because I'm pretty sure I've told you this before, Eric, but um, our other guests here probably haven't heard this. So when I was a kid, I uh, I woke up one night and um, I saw the, the a figure. I thought it was my dad leaning in, in the um, entryway to the dining room. So I got up and went to go give him a hug. And I, as I went to go hug him, it just, the image disappeared and faded to nothing. And so it was kind of a similar experience, not with an animal, but with some type of human spirit, um, full body, uh, but it was all dark and it, I mean, it was dark in the house. So of course I couldn't see what it was. Um, but I think I agree with all of you guys that whether it's a human spirit or, or an animal, it's, it's all about the intent, especially when you're trying to get them to cross over um, and just opening that door for them. It is interesting though, Katie, that you've seen uh, loved ones come through to grab the animal. Cause I've never heard that before. Yeah. You know, also too, we have to remember that animals do not hold the same emotional judgment that humans do so animals don't are, are not necessarily afraid of death in the sense of the crossing over that's not something that, that's conceptual in their mind right so um you've often heard of hospitals or, or old age homes or certain areas where you know a cat will spend extra time with one of the patients before the the patient dies and transitions over animals have a little sense little different sense of death usually they want to be alone when they die i grew up on a farm and so i've experienced a lot of death um not, obviously not welcome to death but you know that's what happens when you grow up on a farm um and you know oftentimes animals want to separate themselves it's not very often the animal will want to be in your arms. So Kat, the fact that you were able to, to experience that is a beautiful thing. Um, but they, they have a little different outlook at that judgment is not there or fear. So it, very often you're gonna see them transitioning over more so than you're gonna see them choosing to stay. It's usually the human uh, or, or, or the, the location that draws that energy that kind of keeps them or anchors them to this to the certain location. So, um, you know, it really comes down to, again, I, I had talked about the active intent and what you know what you feel is going on when that death occurs i knew that this was this was going to happen with this this cat i had unfortunately the cat had to be euthanized so it was a planned um expiry and uh i had asked my guides i had asked my grandfather to make sure that that for my own sanity and my own comfort please come and and, and get the cat and i know for sure that my brother my grandfather came for me not for the cat came from my own peace of mind to know that the cat was being looked after. You know, obviously I love the cat and, and the, the cat's in a better place now, but he did it for me. So a lot of times it really comes down to the person, not the animal. That's a special thing too, to know that a loved one comes to get your beloved pet. Like that's, that is so special. Absolutely. All right. So Next topic that we had, um, at, we've talked to a couple of different people about this, and 
it's something that I'm still not sure what's going to happen with all of it. Um, and that's uh, disclosure. Um, we just had a a guest on recently who uh, said that she's a a contactee who's she said that she uh, communicates with extraterrestrials regularly. Um, that it the the disclosure is not going to come from our government or anything like that. It's going to come from the, the radicals, the the outside agencies and stuff like that. Um, what are some of your guys' thoughts on disclosure, or do you even think it's going to ever happen? Um, Richard, we'll start with you. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if you'll ever get the full disclosure in anything like that. I, I just don't, I don't see the the grip of power that people have over the silencing of it is going to be ever be able to be changed. I, I just don't. I think as we continue to find more and more examples and more and more pieces of evidence that's a little hard to refute eventually things like declassification things like that have to happen and they will happen eventually and yeah we're of the we're of the 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 age now that that there have been you know files that were redacted that are now unredacted you know they're they're open public files and you know about the cigar you know the tic tac you know uh tic tac uh, spaceship things like that um i just think eventually under pressure things will get loosened I don't think there's ever going to be full disclosure. I just don't. I think it's too much of a power play, to be honest. Okay. Kat? Yeah, I agree with Richard. I don't think the governments will ever give us full disclosure. I feel that they would just give us a few little pieces of tidbits to to just satisfy us a little bit to, to know that they're acknowledging something is out there but i don't think they're going to be disclosing 100 percent um i think that's just going to be something that we would just discover on our own like um hey you never know a ship might just land at uh parliament hill in ottawa <laughs> i mean that would be full disclosure but i i don't think the government will give us a hundred percent disclosure okay i think it comes down to power I think that they're withholding this information because they know that once, uh, you know, the cat's out of the bag, pardon the pun, um, that, that we're, there's so much, like in terms of extraterrestrial and all of those things, that's just a tip on the iceberg. Like that's not, there's so much more that's, that's being withheld. And so once you open that and you open Pandora's box, what else ha has been hiding? So I agree with both Richard and Kat in the sense that no, they're never going to fully disclose this stuff. Um, you know, but there is only so much that they can withhold. And so, you know, leaking things out and leaking fake information as well uh, is putting people in a spiral. It's put, putting people in a, in a kind of a, a rat race uh, to find out this fake information. So really, when you when you uh, when you put a frog in a pot and you heat up the water, more, you know, slowly, that frog's going to boil to death. But if you put a, a frog in boiling water, it's immediately going to want to jump out. So they're slowly turning up the heat and they're slowly uh, creating an agenda. And so therefore, uh, you know, what the agenda is, I don't know, but I think it's just going to be, you know, we're going to be in a rat race for it. Well, I think it was interesting. Like one of the things that we had talked about a couple of weeks ago was, and this person that we talked, her name was Elena. Uh, and we had her on about her book, 
in regard of her uh, having contact with extraterrestrials basically her, her entire life. And one thing that she mentioned to us was that <clears throat> basically the extraterrestrials know and believe that the government's never going to give us full disclosure, but the people that the aliens uh, have visited, they are expecting them to be the ones to go out and preach about their existence if you will, and let people know they, they're real and let those people who are hearing make a decision on their own. Uh, and then in that case, maybe they'll get visitations. Maybe they won't. Uh, it, it just, you know, like I had said on that episode, it was really weird because the way she was talking, it, it was very similar to many of the world's religions, uh, especially Christianity in that, you know, the Pharisees were and the priests were all trying to keep it under wraps. They didn't want Christ spreading the news or they didn't want people believing that God was on earth, but Christ had the disciples and the apostles go out and spread the news themselves. And it's the same thing that Elena said, these aliens are doing. It's the same exact motive. Uh, they want to be known, but they're not going to do it on a grand scale. They're going to let their contacts here on earth be the ones to kind of push forward the idea that they do exist. Uh, I thought that was a little weird. I don't know what exactly the agenda is there per se. It doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I don't know if it's maybe I've always been under the impression that if extraterrestrials exist, then the only reason they come here is to kind of experiment, test the waters, see how we react to certain situations and study us. Uh, that would be the only reasonable explanation since they're clearly not communicating with us today. Uh, it looks like there's communication in ancient times. There's plenty of uh, scrolls and we see hieroglyphs and all this stuff that uh, have been, that should look, they look like spacemen and, and UFOs. It's, it's weird. Um, so I don't know what changed, but I think it's going to be really interesting over the next 50 years and so on to see how people start to adapt and try to bring forth this, this information that, hey, yeah these extraterrestrials do exist. There is something more out there. Uh, I just don't know how it's going to happen. Oh, I agree with that. I think that this is, uh, to them, it's a scientific experiment, right? You, 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 you generate a hypothesis and then you try to correlate the hypothesis. Um, so, you know, you know yourself when you, you go on a medication or a new the pharmaceutical company has started a trial on something, it takes them years to be able to conduct that trial and they have to have placebos and they have to have certain cause and effect for that to happen. You know, the time frame in which a, a, an experiment is conducted, time may be no meaning. Right. So, uh, you know, it, to re to restart things, to reroute things, to see they planted some of the technology that we are using today uh, right now. And so um, I think that really it's kind of it, it's observation. I think they're, they're exactly that they're observing they're they're watching, seeing our reactions, seeing what we do with certain things. Um, you know, if you look at it from a classroom perspective, they're the teachers and we're the students. And so there's only so much they can do uh, without us picking up the pencil and, and kind of doing it for ourselves. And so I think that it's not a matter of them not wanting to come forward. I think it's, it's a matter of how we progress as, as, a, as a, a world, as an earth. I feel it's also kind of like when um, we are researching um, a, a type of a species of animal, like say, say wolves, for example, we keep our distance, but we're monitoring them and we actually will um, put collars on them so we know where they're going and, and things like that. And, and I, I, I think that, well, I feel that's how 
extraterrestrials are doing that with us as well. They're studying us. And there's been so many people that I've spoken to and I've listened to on other shows uh, say that they found uh, foreign objects placed in their body that no one, no doctors or anyone can actually tell them what it is. And, and, and it could be a monitoring device. So I think that they are treating us the way that we would do any research on any animal on our planet. Richard, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think uh, a lot of it, and if you, if, I think it, what happens is when we learn how to, to push and we push too far, the excuse uh, very similarly used in some movies uh, that the government would say simply is you're not ready for it. We're not telling you because you're not ready. We're not telling you because you aren't prepared. When, how do we ever get prepared if you don't tell us? But I, um, I think that it's just one of those kind of things that, you know, we're like, you know, we're going to get fed a piece at a time. And, uh, you know, because everything's being forced to be revealed. But I, I think uh, that will be the excuse for the, uh, you know, the whole pot of stew, so to speak, versus a spoon at a time is we're not ready. We're not going to release that because we're not ready as people. And, um, you know, that may or may not be true. I mean, how do we know, though? Again, like I said, how do we know unless we get that example? Right. But now we're left to guessing, and that's even worse than probably what the truth is. Right. Well, it, that's, that's something that I thought of, too, is if we ever got full disclosure, would humanity be able to handle it? Because we have the the religious people that would probably denounce that the the aliens even are real even though it's right in front of them um i've said multiple times even if jesus christ came back the second time people would be like now that's that's just a guy made up they cg item coming out of the, the sky you know um that sort of a thing but do you do you guys really think that humanity well can i mean again, it, i think our culture is so used to you know, kind of, kind of leaning on the point you're making, the culture is so used to, eh, that's made up. Uh, you know, that's CGI. Uh, I mean, you look at paranormal, for example, paranormal evidence from the investigators, people who have faked it so well. Um, yeah. You know, and people got to a point where we've gone to, you know, it's almost like we're all from the state of Missouri in the U.S. Either we don't, either we see it ourselves or we don't believe it. So it's just, you know, that is kind of the, I think, the culture. But again, yeah, I kind of agree with you on that point, though, especially about how people would be a little more skeptical of the truth because they're not used to it. I mean, no offense. It, to be honest, you've got to be careful with whatever you get told anyway or shown right. <laughs> in any part of life. But I think when it comes down to, you know, extraterrestrial alien life, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm prepared to see and hear more. I'd love to. I mean, we know more about, you know, uh, paranormal investigating on a scale of, you know, I think we probably know more about shadow people, for example, than we do about aliens. Right. And what we know about shadow people, you can put in a thimble. Right. <laughs> so I'd like to see what's happening out there. And we're dumb if we think, if people think that we're the only living intelligent beings out there, we're stupid. That's the stupid theory. And that's that sounds harsh, but it's the truth. You can't, even in a Christian society, 
supposedly God made everything, right? Why wouldn't he have made aliens? Right. Doesn't mean they have to be here. This is only one of the cosmos, one of the universe, piece of the universe that he's put together, right? Everything was made by him. I don't know. It's going to be a weird world until we get all the truth. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because it's... um... We talked to Jesse Marcel Jr. a long time ago uh, when we first started podcasting. And one quote that he said, it, it's a quote from him that just stuck to me all these years. Uh, and it was in regard to, to God because he was a man of the faith. Uh, and he said, we, we'd ask him the question, like, what do you think? Did God create aliens? Didn't he create aliens? And Jesse Marcel Jr. said, well, if I say that he didn't create aliens, then that would mean to box up his power and ability to create anything and everything. But to say that he did create aliens would to put words into existence that may not be true, which is basically his way of saying, who knows? It's possible, but we don't really know. Um, You know, one thing I think, though, in regard to uh, the types of people who are willing, like, Richard, you're willing to know more. You want to know more. I think we all want to know more here in this group. But if we just look at COVID-19 starting two, two years ago and how people reacted to that, you had a group that said, oh, it's bullshit and we're not following it. We're not going to do any of this. We're not wearing masks. We're not getting shots and blah, blah, blah. And then you had the other group that said, okay, we're going to just buy out the entire store. And then everything's just empty, nothing on shelves for weeks on end. People going hungry, people without heaven forbid toilet paper, which is, I can't believe we're still bringing that up today, but it's, <laughs> it's a thing. Um, and unfortunately that's just the way society is. You just have people on two different sides. And I think humanity is so, uh, opinion, opinionated and set in their ways and beliefs that there's really nothing we can do without the government, I guess, possibly slowly feeding the information until more people are on board and perhaps willing to accept stuff without getting crazy about it. Right. I think. Honestly, the final point to this is I think when the time for informational release happens, it'll be trickled down through other agencies to the general public. I don't think it's going to be anything where the president gets up on stage in the U.S. and, you know, or prime minister gets up on stage and said, OK, guys, here's A to Z, cradle a grave about aliens exist. This is what's going on here. Here's a research building for this. Yada, yada, yada. I don't think it's ever going to happen that way. When it does happen, it's going to be a trickle-down effect. And and I think we'll get fed what they want to feed us anyway. It's just going to happen a piece at a time from other people. Yeah, yeah it's part of controlling the, the population, just giving us a little bit at a time, I, I, I think. Um, and I have heard on other shows as well, some people, and they were, it didn't go over well, where some people actually said that God is an alien, so that, yeah. that's another um, taboo topic that people talk about that, um, yeah, it's, um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, I think the, you know, I think the word alien, I, I think today we see it as a very definitive word of what an alien is, right? But if you think of it on a broad term, an alien can be, or an extraterrestrial would be anything that's not of this world. So to consider it that way, then yeah, God could be considered an alien in that, you know, in that way. Um, but yeah, I think the way you're saying it is most people are like, 
yeah, you know, he's one of the higher aliens, you know, like there are reptilians and like grays and this and that and so on and so forth. And obviously it's all speculation because this is a type of science that can't be tested and we can't prove or disprove God's existence. It all comes down to the person who's experienced him um, and those who have it. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's, I think we're going to continue over the next many years to talk about this. And this just the discussion isn't going to change. I think it's going to just go the same pattern over and over and over again until something new happens. You know, luckily we got some disclosure this past year, but what they showed was very little. And they admitted that they had a bunch of more documentation that was still a lockdown and they weren't going to be sharing that. So we know that they have stuff and that, you know, the military doesn't know what some of these UFO phenomena are, but we know they know more and they've admitted as much without telling us what it is. Well, you got to remember the government's always got an agenda, right? The government mm -hmm. doesn't just put implement rules, regulations and, and uh, truths to, for us, for our necessarily our benefit. It's, it's, you know, it comes down to power and politics and all of those things. So, uh, you know, I think we're pretty ignorant to assume that they're just not telling us to keep us safe. There's, there's bigger reasons for it. Um, I also think that there's there's negotiations in my, just my personal opinion that there's negotiations on either side on on the extraterrestrial level as well as our government and I think that there's been plans and implementations that have been put in place that kind of stops both sides from doing things because there's a bigger reason for it now that's way above my pay grade I, I choose not to, to kind of get into that but um, I think that it really comes down to not necessarily what we're seeing but what we're not seeing and, you know, magicianry, you know, show us the hand, show us the hand, you're, you're busy watching this, you're not seeing what's really going around in the background. And so um, I think there's way more to this. And, um, you know, we always take a personal approach to it. You had, you had talked about, you know, uh, our ideas of, of kind of aliens and what we are, the literal aspects of it. And that's mm -hmm. what we've kind of been brainwashed or indoctrination is, is occurring where we have this opinion, but we, it, a generalism. And I think that we got to look outside the box a little bit and basically it's not what we're being told is what we're not being told. Mm -hmm. Justin, anything else? No, I, I definitely agree with everybody. It, it's something that, uh, Unless a certain person came to power that's like, you know what, screw this. I'm giving it to you, all of you guys. I, I don't care what the backlash is. Yeah, it, it's a power. It's a power play. And whether that's like uh, Katie said, it's it's negotiations on both sides. If it's just our government, who knows? But um, I, I do agree with all of you that it's it's just going to be a trickle thing where we just get bits and pieces. Okay, so we'll move on to this last topic then. So the paranormal, I mean, like everything about it, in particular investigations, the study, the research of it, uh, it's blowing up over the years and it continues to grow. More and more people are getting involved or being becoming more interested in it. Uh, and for those of us who study it, uh, I, I mean, there's, there's, for me, there's a certain scientific aspect behind it. There's a certain, like, uh, just an awe of it all. Like, I'm so interested and I, you know, I'm curious. I want to know more, but aside from our own curiosity, what do you think is the importance of studying the paranormal and doing what we do? Like, why is it important to be a psychic medium? Why is it important to go do investigations for people at their homes or whatever? Like, 
why do any of it? What's the importance? I think for me, it was finding the answers to the questions for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it really, back when I first started into paranormal, as, as well as I'm sure several of you on here, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot out there to get excited about. And you were looked at like a, like a three-eyed freak. Um, but you still wanted to know the answers. You still wanted to know what was going on. And then for some of us who have abilities, um, you wanted an explanation for why the crap am I hearing a person that, that's not even in the room? I mean, it's for me, it was always more answers that I needed for the questions. Um, and, and honestly, for me also, it is a... It's a big deal when you get to talk to somebody of history. When you get to talk with someone in an EVP session that existed 150, 200, 300 years ago, it's pretty freaking awesome. Um, You know, and it just depends on what your intent is for doing it. For me, it was kind of understanding the places I was at. For me, it's you know, trying to establish a rapport and, and do research on the people that exist on the other side, particular buildings, it's not just going to building, 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 and just having a bunch of fun. That gets tiring fast. Mm-hmm. That novelty becomes a waste of time. So for me, it was always finding the answers. When I go into a building, I'll go there more than once because I want to find more definitive answers for what's going on in the building. So for me, it's answers. Long and short of it, to me, is answers to the questions. Okay. Okay. Um, well, in the beginning, I, I first started because I wanted to get, obviously, answers as well. Um, experiences I'm, that I'm having and then, or that I have had, and then to find out that other people have had experiences like that as well. Now I want to know why are we having these experiences? Where is all this coming from? What's the next step now for investigating? Because everyone is savvy on all the equipment that everyone's using now. Thankful, thanks to all those paranormal TV shows. You know, I think that made paranormal investigating a little bit more mainstream. Still not a hundred percent, but it's a little. It's it's more acceptable than it was, you know, quite a few years ago. But now I want to know what other piece of equipment could potentially and i'm no i'm i'm not a smart person i'm no scientist but i'd like to know there has to be some other pieces of equipment that could be invented to look at other i don't know dimensions or or whatever there, there's got to be something else yes we've used all these pieces of equipment countless times there has to be something else and i just want to go further but i don't i don't know how to do that but it's it is refreshing to know that you know and i've sent countless times the thing about the paranormal that fascinates me the most is ever since time, ever since humans existed, every culture, every religion, everyone has had some kind of similar paranormal activity. And that really fascinates me. And so to know that no matter how different we are, we have that one commonality that I want to know why. I, you know, for me, I personally feel 
that um, a couple things. Number one, I, I grew up as a psychic medium. So I was having experiences at a really young age and didn't understand it. And the reason why I got into paranormal was the research. I wanted to understand it. I wanted to know what made me different. I grew up thinking I was normal in the sense that my family's very spiritual. Uh, you know, they were very accepting over my abilities and it was just a part of life. It wasn't until I got a little bit older and was going to friends' houses and, and, and talking about these certain things and they're looking at me like, like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not normal. And uh, at that point, that was a real huge awakening for me. So I started long before the internet. Uh, I started doing research in libraries and watching documentaries and trying to get a handle on it to comprehend it. Um, it wasn't until I got into uh, college that I started amateurly paranormal investigating. And it was to prove to myself that I wasn't crazy. I didn't, it's not as if I talked about it, or it wasn't as if I, you know, advertised it, but I really wanted to kind of get that feeling that if I could captured on, on audio, captured on video, that there was really something there. Um, the concept of, of being able to communicate with something that's not physically in your presence is, is kind of astounding. And I think that that's the, the, you know, the dog chasing the bone. We are constantly uh, trying to find that and seek that out. And if we can capture it, then, you know, it, it's putting our mind to ease. And so from there, you know, when, it, when Kat joined my, my team, uh, you know, it really came down to, at first it was collecting evidence and it was, it was kind of getting that, that, you know, that high, that, that adrenaline rush, but then it, it soon became trying to assist families. And so now today it's really, we do a lot of resi uh, res residential areas here. Um, and it's not so much public haunts and we really try to help families to, so that they're not feeling as vulnerable so they can understand, they don't feel crazy. They don't feel judged. Uh, that's kind of why we do it. So you know, we're always trying to find the Holy Grail and selfishly, you know, I want to find the best evidence possible and to further the studies of paranormal, but really it's the act of being able to communicate on that level. All right. Justin. Um, well, as, as everybody else said, for, I can only speak for myself. Um, from a really young age, I, I do remember always being fascinated with, uh, with cryptids, you know, going past the, the ghosts and spirits and stuff like that. Cryptids were actually my go-to at first. And, um, I do believe that I had gifts at, at an earlier age. Um, I've mentioned on the show and I don't mean to always bring it up because I love my mother to death, but I, when I was in my teens, um, I started seeing a psychiatrist because I was going through major depression because my parents divorced. Um, I was a nerdy kid that always was picked on. So I was, I was contemplating, you know, suicide. I was, I was very down. Um, and the one day I was walking home, saw this woman that had out of, of time garb on, it, it was kind of like a Victorian dress on and it was kind of a flash it was there then it was gone and i got home um and this was just before i was going to talk to the psychiatrist i had this questionnaire and it said do you ever see things that aren't really there and i put yes and my mom says you can't say that i'm like but mom i that's the truth that's what what's going on and um she goes Justin, they're going to think you're crazy. You can't put that on that. Um, I'm like, okay, fine. So I didn't mark no. Um, and then it, it just kind of spitballed after that, that, uh, you know, I, I started finding more and more reasons to 
have interest in the paranormal. I started reading tarot at a young age. Uh, both Eric, you and I had a Ouija board at a young age. Um, and it, I think paranormal has just always been a part of my life. And it's always wanted me, like everybody else has said, I want to know more. I want to know why we don't usually see these things. Why can we not hear everybody on the other side or in the other dimension or whatever with their eyes and our ears? Um, why do we have to have these abilities to do that? And why can we not just do it ourselves with as naturally as anybody else? Um, and, you know, I, I've talked with Katie about this for a really long time. Eric, I've, I've talked to you about this, that I'm kind of going through a spiritual growth spurt right now. Um, things are changing for me where I'm always constantly seeing or hearing things that aren't, uh, as people would say, quote unquote, not there. Um, and then, uh, you know, Eric, yourself, you're starting to go through these things. And um, I, th I think it's fascinating. More than anything, I think the paranormal is fascinating. And we've got so much to learn um, and so little time to learn it. Obviously, once we cross over, we, we learn that tenfold but um while we're on we're on this side of the veil it's it's just one of those things we're always trying to find the truth about mm -hmm. so the when it comes to the paranormal when it comes to ghosts i think it's a lot like disclosure with extraterrestrials where in this case that we have evidence many of us are collecting our own evidence but the communities uh, around the world are skeptical at best. And we still have science who's constantly fighting with paranormal researchers and people who believe saying, no, there's a scientific explanation. It's in the head. It's this, it's that. Do you think that, I guess two things, do you think that scientists uh, will ever come to a point where they acknowledge the fact that, yes, I think, you know what, I think there is something to the spirits do exist or do you think there's a certain type of evidence that we would have to collect that might persuade them to look deeper into it and realize, oh, okay, so we're wrong. Which, you know, I don't think a scientist will ever say they're wrong. I think they'll just say, well, in theory, I wasn't <laughs> wrong. It's just that and manipulate the situation to make them sound right. But, you know, science is weird like that. Right. Katie, you go ahead and go first. Uh, well, I think that when some, let me put it to you this way. If somebody says to me proof that exists, I always tell people prove it doesn't. And mm -hmm. until you've had a paranormal experience, you can't experience one. You can't, you can't exp express it. You can't talk about it. You don't know what it is. Um, if I was to tell you to describe the color purple, how could you describe it without knowing what the color purple is? Right. It's a really hard thing to describe. And so uh, people are always looking for a tangible physical logic to it. And, and that's wonderful. That's why we have parapsychology. That's why they study, uh, you know, a, a lot of these things. But bottom line, we're dealing with something that is non-physical. And so you have to remove your physical logic from these things. We utilize pieces of physical equipment every single day that are the best gauges to develop physical evidence. But the bottom line is, you know, when you're getting an EVP, when you're getting a disembodied voice, there's no voice box. There's no vibration that's coming from, from your esophagus that's creating this. They're being able to manipulate the energy and manifest it. And so trying to, you know, 
introduce that concept to a scientist who's used to, to cause and effect and used to reciprocating the same test over and getting the same cause and effect, that's the scientific experiment. Um, I think that th there's a bunch of people that are non-scientists that are trying to conduct scientific investigations, and that's not a bad thing. But I think that we have to really remember that it's non-physical. So until you've had that experience and you're able to, to sit there and, and, you know, in, in, in that moment, I think you're, you're, you're always going to be skeptical. And even if you are a paranormal believer and, and investigator, it's important to be skeptical because not everything is paranormal. Part of our jobs as paranormal investigators is to debunk certain things. Right. Um, but again, not everything is, is demonic. Not everything is mainstream media. Uh, you know, you have to realize that when you're watching certain television programs, it, it is there for the 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 yeah factor, the wow factor and, and the entertainment purposes. So, you know, it, it's all about kind of common sense and what you take out of it and, uh, you know, how you perceive it. OK. Cat thoughts. I think Katie pretty much said uh, everything that I was thinking. So uh, I'm just going to say I agree with Katie. Uh, you're into my head again, Katie. Right. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Richard? Yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, convincing the scientific community that the paranormal exists, I, I have a lot of fun when I do my events, because I would ask for the people that are the skeptics to step forward, and I put them in the middle of the human pendulum, and I would say a good six or seven times out of ten, these people are in some type of scientific warp, and uh, to actually see them get lifted off their heels by something they can't see makes them have to recoil and realize that maybe not so much I was wrong, but maybe there's an alternative. To what I'm thinking, um, I literally had a gentleman who is a man of science, has a doctorate in science, and he was with me, absolute skeptic. Um, he was filming just because he liked filming. Or, uh, he was in our show, and he literally had a full missing white apparition appear right before his face, make a right and go down the hall. That kind of shock, that kind of shock and awe is going to be probably the only thing that ever changes a skeptic's mind. Now, I've had, or, or even a scientist's mind, I've had doctors, physicians that, you know, when I went into a building that they used to work in as a physician and go, hey, I'm going into this building. You want to go with me? And they go, no. Well, there's a reason for that. You're just not talking about it. Um, you know, that is, that's happened on two different occasions uh, in regards to a place down here in Colo, South Pittsburgh Hospital, uh, an ER doc I once came into contact with told me, absolutely not, I don't want to go. And then a doctor who works in a different city in the hospital now, um, he had a building that was extremely active. And I said, well, do you come to this place ever at night? No, I come through here at night. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I don't know if you'll fully convince the scientists that they don't always try to find some alternative explanation for the majority of it. But when they have their own personal paranormal traumatic event that changes the essence of who they are. Now, so Thomas, what's going to take? If I may add, if that's okay, um, I love it when people are extremely skeptical, but then they pull you aside and say, but there was this one time. I really, I, I love that. And I have spoken to scientists, physicists. 
um, who say that they do believe in the paranormal, but they can't openly come out and say that because they will be ridiculed by, by their peers. And whatever papers that they've written will be, yeah. uh, you know, they'll just say, nope, we have to take take away all your research and all your papers uh, because obviously you're crazy. Which is crazy. Like, to, yeah. it'd be so, like, I've been there where it's, you're kind of like a, uh, a closet believer, you know, in the paranormal, <laughs> or you're, you're just too scared to tell anybody because you don't know the consequences. Uh, but to be in that position where you can potentially lose a job or something like that would be very difficult. Um, but, you know, it is, it's one of my favorite things. Uh, I think it was like 2004 when we really started. Uh, diving deeper, um, or I started diving deeper into the paranormal. And uh, I had friends that I was working with who just, they didn't believe it. They're just like, oh, no, that's that's nothing. That's just the wind or this or that. They always had an excuse. And after a while, you know, one or two of them, every once in a while, they come up and be like, okay, I got to I gotta tell you something. I just witnessed something last night and I don't know how to explain it, but this is what happened. And I'm like, okay, let's sit down and talk. You know, we had that discussion. <laughs> And now they're like, they're doing investigations. They're, they're all aboard. They want to know more. There's always that one incident that just triggers and flips you. And it's, mm -hmm. it's cool to see nowadays. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like I grew up with the paranormal. Stuff. I grew up watching X-Files in the nineties. So it was like a family thing every week. So I started my uh, lack of a career because I wouldn't call this a career by any means, but uh, you know, I started looking at the stars aliens extraterrestrials were the very first thing i really was focused on because of the x-files but then that just expanded like a hundredfold as i learned more and more and then of course i grew up in a haunted house so that i even moved things along further um so to go from like my entire life pretty much believing and knowing something existed to meeting people who've like never had an experience and then seeing that initial reaction when they do have one is just i don't know there's something special about it to me i, I get a kick out of it it's expanding I agree. the mind. Go ahead, yeah. Katie. I was just going to say, it's expanding the mind. It's that aha epiphany moment that it's like, wow, it does exist. Or it, there's potential for it to exist. That's the most beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. I, I also have encountered people where they're, they're highly skeptical. And because they know what I'm into, you know, we, the human mind, I think when we see something that's not, we're not supposed to be seeing this. We're not supposed to be experiencing this. The mind tries to fill in the blanks as to what we just experienced and to give us a logical, you know, something moved on the table. Well, maybe there was a mini quake or something, you know, we always come up with an idea, but when these people meet people like us, then they can open up and say, well, I kind of had this experience. Can you tell me what you think? And it gets them to open up. And like Katie said, um, it opens up their mind. And, and I fully believe that once your mind has been open to the paranormal, you're going to be experiencing more. For sure. And I think it's, it's, you know, I think it's helping people get into, you know, I guess a safe space for them to open up and talk about it. You know, like even when, uh, when I became a born again, Christian, you know, I was already deep into the paranormal and the occult and all that. So when I went to church and you constantly had the pastor saying, oh, don't worry about it. It's nothing. Focus on Christ only. Ghosts aren't, that's nothing. Demons, you don't worry about that. You don't do this, see that. But then they find out that I've been involved in it for so many years. 
you got, I've got all these people flocking to me, asking questions, wanting to know more because the pastors aren't willing to do it. And I understand why some of the pastors are trying to direct these people away from those kind of questions, uh, because it is a hole and you get, I mean, I get sucked down regularly and I enjoy getting, <laughs> you know, going down these rabbit holes, but, uh, you know, I think it, it's, it's always fascinating to see people who feel stuck. Like, you know, that there's more they want to talk about and understand, but they feel like they're in chains. They can't, they're not allowed. Uh, but once you get them in a safe space and they realize, Oh, here's someone I can talk to. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the big things about one of the importance, I think, uh, of, for those of us studying the paranormal and doing the investigation. So we become a beacon for those who don't understand. We, we don't understand all of it either, but we can at least help guide them into a better understanding. So they're not scared about it. Uh, like I think so many people who first learn, are. I think a lot of people are scared when they first realize, oh, there's something in my house. That's, that's weird and scary. <laughs> well, Richard, I mean, you, you have the best example. You have been on both sides of the fence, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was a minister for a long, long time. Um, but you know, and it's funny how people will throw the Bible at you when uh, you're a paranormal investigator, not knowing what you do know about the Bible. And then, uh, you know, once you explain to them the things in the Bible that they're refuting the paranormal about are actually existing in the Bible. Wow. Mm -hmm. What a concept. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the Bible belt of the U.S. I mean, I'm in the place where I've been called a demon chaser. I have been, you know, and, and I'll come across you know, with the one belief in particular down here where anything that appears after life's a demon will good God, that means Christ is a demon. Hold on a minute. You know, that, that means Lazarus is a zombie. What? The, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, so it's just ignorance, really. It's a lack of education. And, you know, once it, it happens to people in their own lives, I actually had a lady that was a client that had been ostracized by two different churches that she was a member of, one after the other, because of her talking about her claims of the paranormal at her own home. And it claims it was so legitimate and so real and so traumatic that she wound up actually passing of a heart attack before it could even get to her case. Um, she wasn't even able to sleep in her own bedroom. She had to sleep on the couch in the living room to be able to get any kind of sleep at all. But it had gotten so bad. And, you know, the church not doing their job because of their ignorance. Um, you know, there's just so much of it out there. I had, I actually had had a conversation with a, a pastor of a church I considered being a member of years ago. And I told him point blank. I said, look, um, you know, I've been on your side of the fence. Uh, you know, I've been up in the pulpit. Um, this is going on all around everybody every single day. And I'm not here to ignore it, nor am I here to refute it, nor am I here to pretend it doesn't example and omit it. It's not going to happen. So either you can accept me for how I am, or we can go ahead and go about our separate ways, shake hands, part friends. And he literally told me, he said, I have seen, you know, satanic spirits and, and demons. And I have seen stuff interact with people in the church. I'm like, wow, you don't say that kind of stuff in the pulpit, don't do you? You know, so it's just one of those kind of things that you have to, people have a, a conversation point. Here's another example. I went and then try to get filming rights to filming permission to film in a building years ago when I had my show. And we had to appear before a city council of basically pastors that were the city council members. 
And uh, they're all refuting, oh, there's nothing paranormal in this place. And, you know, we don't want that moniker. We're not sure we want that moniker. And it went on and on until they finally agreed to go ahead and let us film. And at the end of the meeting, the mayor, who was the head of the table for that whole council, comes over and he goes, you know, let me tell you about a time. Oh, oh, we want to talk about it now. Okay. All right. Yeah, nobody can hear you. It's okay. Go ahead. Let's talk about it. You know, um, but it's just amazing. I actually had a team I founded years ago called Ghost Paranormal Ghost of Southern Tennessee. Ghost Paranormal was an acronym. And on the back of the shirt were two passages from the Bible written below a, a, a very, what I thought was a very beautiful uh, Roman cross. And uh, the first one talks about how Christ talks about ghosts. And the second one talks about how we don't go to heaven and hell when we die. Whoops. Yeah. Well, real legit, folks. And oh, by the way, so, you know, psychic mediums are in First Samuel. Saul actually hired a medium to raise the spirit of King Samuel, Samuel chapter one. So, you know, it is just ignorance. And that's a part of the problem you run into with the religion part of it. The Bible even talks about how we have power over the spirits. So it's kind of one of those things where you have to take both ends of the spectrum, try to understand the two of them and mix them together. Doesn't mean it's going to be a great thing in the outcome, but you got to give it a shot anyway, you know? Right. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on our 300th episode. It's about that time where we let you guys go. So I'm going to give you guys the mic so you can tell everybody where they can find you, find the shows, all that great stuff. Uh, Katie, I'll let you go first. Well, uh, if you know if if paranormal is your thing and and you'd like to learn more about it, you can check us out at Canadian Supernatural Research Society.com. Um, we uh, again uh, do investigations throughout the uh, province of Ontario and Quebec. Um, if you're interested in the reading and you'd like to, you know, get in touch with a loved one, you can contact me at katieturnerpsychic.com or on Facebook, Katie Turner Sensitive Psychic Medium. And uh, my wonderful co-host Richard will explain a little bit more about Let's Talk About It, but you can reach us, you know, every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard on that podcast as well. All right, Richard. Well, she put that on my shoulders. I don't know if I'm big enough to carry that one. Um, just kidding. Yeah, so you can look me up in the Richard Ruland uh, on my public page. We also have our team called the Haunted Travelers uh, that has its own uh, Facebook page as well where we actually are doing public events. As the events come up, we're trying to get together one now, a good-sized one for late spring. Um, yeah, and then we also have a Facebook page for our podcast show. Let's talk about it as seen on Facebook Live every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Also available on uh, the Things Network, also available on Paralinks, um, as well as another network. We simulcast all that together on Sunday nights. We talk about open discussion about the paranormal. We bring your questions online. We answer them as an interactive forum. Um, and, it, and it's a real safe haven, no matter what your level of experience in the paranormal. We'd love to have you out to be able to talk about it. Good name for a show. Um, but, you know, so we do have all of that. Uh, and again, you can reach us at uh, let's talk about it paranormal at gmail.com if you have an idea for the show you'd like to have us talk about. Awesome. And Kat? Well, first of all, I want to say a huge congratulations on 300 episodes. 
uh, hats off to you guys. That's amazing. That's a really super, uh, that's a big milestone. So congratulations. And um, yeah, my show is called Paranormal Heart Podcast. It gets released on the second and last Sunday of every month at five o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And you can find it on uh, Podbean, YouTube, um, Fringe Radio Network. Uh, oh, jeepers. FringeRadioNetwork.com. Uh, any place pretty much where you find podcasts. And I'm on uh, Twitter. Um, that would be Cat W Ghost Hunt, uh, Instagram, Paranormal Heart Podcast. Uh, if you want to be a guest or have suggestions or just want to chat, just reach out at ParanormalHeart13 uh, at gmail.com. I'd love to be able to chat with people. All right, Katie Cat. And Richard, thank you for being on Fair Truth Radio. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it very much. All right, folks. Make sure you check out uh, Let's Talk About It and Paranormal Heart. Uh, we're not done yet. We have a quick commercial, uh, you know, and Eric's random fact today, as always. So we're going to be right back with episode 300 of Fair Truth Radio. Now, Eric's random fact of the day. Did you know that the bumblebee bat is the world's smallest mammal? According to RD.com, it weighs in at just 0.06 ounces and has a head-to-body length of 1.20 inches with a wingspan of 5.3 inches. The bumblebee bat also known as Kitty's Hog-Nosed Bat, is the smallest mammal in the world, according to the Guinness Book of World Records. To see this tiny bat for yourself, you'd have to visit one of the select few limestone caves on the Kwahinoi River in southwest Thailand. This was Eric's random fact of the day. That's what ransomware is all about. It's psychological pressure. Ransomware. When your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom. Attacks are on the rise and Russian gangs are making billions of dollars. The moment I got that message, I knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true. The post-Cold War era is over. Dot com, the hacking. A new season from Crowd Network with me, Katie Puckrick. Just search for dot com, that's D-O-T-C-O-M, and subscribe. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Paratooth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. We just got off the line with Kat, Katie, and Richard for our 300th, 300th episode roundtable. Hit the really bottle for time, the 300th yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a, uh, a roundtable, and I forgot how weird it is. Because it's it, yeah. so hard sometimes to judge, like, okay, what's next? Who's next? Who's going to speak? Who's not going to? I don't know what to do. What do we do? <laughs> uh, but no, you know what? It was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I was. I think it's great uh, to been able to to celebrate this milestone with them, and of course, to celebrate it with you naturally. Um, I considered canceling today, but you know, I figured uh, I should probably show up for the 300. Oh, you would have had the slap down on you. <laughs> uh, no, but for, for real though, I mean, it's, you know, I think we, I think today we cover minus, 
uh, spirit pets. I think we covered two very uh, important topics within mm-hmm. the paranormal community, sure. especially within our community. Uh, that is for our show. Um, you know, and I think it's just, I, I don't know, it's just intriguing to see uh, everyone's viewpoints and how similar everyone's is, you know, uh, and it, it's just kind of solidifies some of the opinions that you and I have uh, and how it relates to everyone else's opinion within the paranormal community. Um, but I don't know, you know, I, I feel like, like one thing I would like to see personally, at least within the paranormal research is a, almost a, 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 like a deeper study into, it. I don't know how exactly to do that. Cause like right now we, you know, we see the paranormal shows we've done investigations ourselves. Our friends are doing investigations, but we can only get so deep into those into those investigations you know we can only get mm. so far with those studies because we're, we're limited usually to a certain amount of time uh, a certain amount of days or whatever uh and it's not like you know it's not like you're studying for a test where you can read multiple different books and have all these resources in front of you and dig down deep through history to figure it out this is like here's the surface of you know what is a ghost and a haunting and this and that uh how do we get down to the the meat of it how do we find out why it originated here how it originated here here what is the energy force and why does it still exist you know um those are the type of things i would like to see in the future uh for paranormal study is to get more deep into the scientific aspect of it to better understand why we're witnessing what we witness on our investigations um and, you know, an energy plays, plays a huge role in just in our everyday mm-hmm. lives. Um, you know, one thing, which is, it's weird. Uh, so I downloaded an app yesterday, uh, last night, paid for it. I told you about it once and said I didn't want to pay for it because it's expensive. But then I was like, I need to know because they had a seven-day trial. So I wanted to try these sounds out because they're like different uh, radio waves or frequencies um, that trigger certain aspects of the mind to promote dreams to oh uh, okay, yeah. leave you dreamless to let you sleep without dreams to help you fall asleep in peace to help you focus uh, to help you control anxiety all these things and so i downloaded it and i was messing with it it was just weird like it wasn't loud it's on my phone i didn't have headphones um but just the way each frequency changed certain aspects of my physical being like the way i felt was just the most odd feeling in different areas there's times where i'd feel it in the front of my head other frequencies i'd feel toward the back or the middle other frequencies i'd feel in the chest it was just like how does something like that change the energy around us and within mm-hmm. us you know it's so odd and i would like to i think there's something with sound and i know we've people have used it in the past for paranormal investigation, uh, the idea of using various frequencies to try to promote uh, energy, uh, mm, to right. promote uh, you know, yeah, spiritual uh, manifestation. Uh, and I would like to see more of that and get more down to the, the nitty gritty of it, I suppose. Um, I'm not really sure how, how EM, EMF, um, uh, what are they called, pods work or... or mm-hmm. um, amplifiers work or whatever but i i feel it's kind of along that that wavelength of frequency uh 
something I, I don't know if I've ever really discussed it with you, but when I first went to my first ValleyCon in Fargo, it's a comic convention that also kind of brings in paranormal guests sometimes. Um, there was a guy there. I, I, I want to say he was just a guest that uh, I got introduced to, and this guy started um, playing this this frequency on a box. I'm not really sure what it was. And you couldn't hear it, but I could feel it in my in my third eye. I could feel it in my head. Um, and at a certain point, I was able to to hear it. It was very faint, almost non-existent, but I could hear it. Um, so yeah, it is fascinating that just doing something like that um, changes things. And and mm-hmm. to comment on what you're talking about to to get a deeper understanding or a deeper meaning to the paranormal research and stuff, um, I do kind of agree with Cat with the fact that um, discovering that next technology where we can go even further than just we hear a voice, um, maybe where we open a window, which there's people on both sides that say we actually have, or we, you know, we'll never see that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I thought you were talking about a paranormal app because I actually, no. had, uh, found one that I, it was just a couple bucks. I paid for it. Um, and this guy created a, database of just gibberish just nonsense okay uh in in every um every tone you can think of uh kids voice gir- uh female kids voice male kids voice male adult female adult and it it's just gibberish and the the concept behind it is very fascinating because if you think of it like this uh if you're using a spirit box it's using radio wavelengths to create a white noise uh you do pick up radio transmissions as well where if you're using a just a database of gibberish there's no words in it whatsoever literal words um and you get words out of it Mm -hmm. that says something as far as scientific research is concerned in the paranormal well, I mean, if that's the case, then we can just, I mean, when you consider white noise, I mean, you could just use white noise or you can record you the sound too. of a fan, right. uh, you know, uh, what do they call those? Like a, the, the standing turning fans. What do they call those? There's a name for them. Pretty um, sure there's a name for them. Oscillating like the radio fans? fan, the oscillating fans. Yeah. You know, um, or even just like a shop fan, something louder. You just record that in, in silence in its own little room. And just let that continue for an hour or two, and then use that as your white noise as well. Um, it, it's, yeah, you know, I, that's the one thing that I have like a problem with uh, in regards to ghost boxes. Cause like, even though they're like full, sometimes full sentences formed over multiple channels with different sounding voices, you can't always be sure that that's actually uh, a spirit coming through or just simply coincidence. Uh, now I know some people don't believe in coincidences. That's neither here nor there, but the point is it is an odd thing to, you know, you just can't use it. You know, we can't say for sure. Uh, so I think there needs to be 
I don't know. Personally, I know you like voice boxes. I know you like using them. I I, I don't. I don't enjoy them. They're mostly annoying. They like give me a headache because it's just that constant <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh, just turn it off, man, please put the headphones on or something. But I don't know. I don't know. I think there's more in the future coming. Uh, but I think the research or the 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 R the R and D of it is still a little behind before we have anything more significant and super popular that we can use. And not to mention that a lot of these devices that are currently being produced, the average investigator, the average ghost hunter, they don't have a budget for mm. this technology. You right. know, and especially uh, right now with inflation, you know, technology prices are just going up. So it's just you know, we kind of sit back and hope the TV shows are going to do it justice, but we know that's not entirely true because those are sometimes a fraud. It's all about ratings for those things. Uh, you know, you watch Ghost of Adventures, you know, and I, that this is saying something because I love Ghost Adventures, but they get, you know, hits all the time, every episode. That's not the way an investigation goes, you know? It's a lot of sitting right. and doing nothing. And sometimes that's multiple locations over multiple weeks where nothing happens before you finally get to something that has some actual, uh, some paranormal energy, you know, going on there. So I don't know. At this point, I'm just ranting and <laughs> filling time up with <laughs> random words. So I'm just going to be quiet well, now and sip my whiskey. I, I do agree with you that uh, um, nothing will ever be just doing an EVP session and listening back mm -hmm. compared to um, in real time uh itc uh spirit communication yeah. but um you know sorry go ahead no go ahead one thing that i think would be fun i don't know if this exists but i think one thing that would be not fun but beneficial ai is becoming very popular obviously ai is becoming way too freaking smart by the way yeah that's a whole other episode on its own but i think most everyone is in the same boat that do investigations and use uh, EVPs as one of their primary sources. It's fun asking the questions, but it sucks re-listening to all those questions and trying to go through all the files. So I wish there was a computer system or an app set up where you can connect your EVP session to the app and let the AI pinpoint where all the words are and you separate them. Like these are all the words that were caught whether they're human or otherwise, and this is all the dead air. And then when we go back in after the AI computes, we see, okay, this is what we have. Let's listen to that. Cut our time down to maybe half, maybe a third of the time we would spend going through scrubbing or, I mean, don't scrub because if you're scrubbing, you're probably missing stuff. But, you know, if we do an hour long EVP and we do that multiple times throughout the night, that's like, we've had like three, four hour uh tapes to listen to in the pat tapes right. are we in the 90s <laughs> digital files to listen to <laughs> well i think that's why it's important to do to do uh short evp sessions mm -hmm. you know when we started yeah we would record the entire freaking night and just two to three four or five hours long um I think you can catch just as much in 20 minutes than you can in two hours. Now, granted, like you're saying, you still have to listen through that 
that 20 minutes of EVP work mm-hmm. to hear anything. Um, which I think that's where um, Spirit Boxes come in, where it's great to, if you're getting intelligent communication um, to have, but I do agree that you cannot submit that as evidence because there's no definitive way of saying, yeah, you know what? We we had 100% intelligent conversation right there. Um, you can use it and, and let people listen to it, but you can't say this, I'm not going to submit this to you as evidence, but I do want you to listen to it um, just so you can kind of see what we were having. And then if you catch EVPs on top of that, then you kind of have something to coincide it with. Um, right. Kind of same thing with the, the Ovilus. If you catch a, a word on the Ovilus and then you catch something on EVP, then you can kind of coincide them together and say, okay, well, I can say that this was, it was similar enough or they, it said the exact same thing on both spots um, that this is evidence. But you don't really, like you said, you don't really get that often where you can, can correlate two separate pieces of evidence together. Right. So episode 300, um, we've, we've talked a lot about, uh, we have talked about a lot guys. Um, but we've got so much more to come for paratruth radio. We've got a whole another year or half a year, three quarters of a year. A little over we've three quarters of a year. We've got time, guys. We've got a lot of time ahead of us. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got some great stuff uh, coming up for you. Um, next week, we are going to be having on um, Greg Little and Andrew Cullen. Um, oh, gosh. I don't have their book handy. But uh, we're going to be getting into other stuff other than, like we said, psychics, mediums, ghosts. Um We've got cryptid stuff coming up. We've got aliens stuff coming up. We've just got a lot of great guests coming on. Um, Eric and I are going to do some uh, down the rabbit holes kind of in between there too uh, because we do love doing our rabbit holes and just having it just Eric and I sometimes. So stay tuned to all of that. Uh, make sure you're checking out Let's Talk About It with Katie Turner and uh, Richard Rowland. Make sure you're t- checking out Paranormal Heart with Cat Ward. And make sure you're checking out all the great shows on Evergreen Podcast and KillerPodcast.com. Uh, KillerPodcast.com is growing, which is awesome. And they've got a lot of great stuff coming. Um, we may be hearing other show hosts on our show. We may be on other shows. So there's A lot of great stuff coming, folks. But until next week, where you'll find us same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. This is
Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.